0: Hello, and welcome to White Homework. This is a podcast designed to inform, educate, and restructure community into unlearning racism. Join our host, Tori Williams-Douglas, as she gives deep insight into the history of racism in America and how we can dig ourselves out by becoming vocally anti-racist. Hey, y'all. Welcome to class. This is White Homework, a podcast about race, racism, and restorative justice. Just a heads up. We swear on the show a lot. I try to make sure that the episodes get the little explicit sticker, but sometimes that doesn't always happen, so now you know. (laughs) I'm Tori Williams-Douglas. I'm a writer, speaker, and anti-racism educator. I'm also the creator of White Homework, which is an anti-racism homework course that's specific to where you live. Um, My co-host today is... Comedian and screenwriter, and my sister, Alice Hamilton.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I think screenwriter means you write movies. I think I'm technically just a writer. Oh, you know what? Let me let me let me um, give you a promotion.
0: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Close enough. It's whatever. It's cl- you're a writer. Yeah. Okay. You're a writer. Shut up. Okay. Today's episode. We are going to talk about respectability politics, <laughs> or otherwise known as, why are they lighting stuff on fire? Why can't they just be nice?
1: This isn't how you
0: Why do you swear so much? You know, if you just talk nicely, you can convert people to your cause.
1: You know, one of the like <laughs> grossest respectability politics, things I ever saw someone on Facebook back in like 2014 or 2015 posted a video of a little black girl playing the violin. And they were like, if they want to be respected, they should do more of this and less of the protesting. (laughs) Like, yeah, we all have to play violin. That's okay. Let's all go learn the violin. We'll go Mm -hmm. learn classical instruments. And then we can talk about police brutality.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's real bad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yep.
1: That's
0: that's so bad. Oh my gosh. Um, So I think we should define respectability politics for people who are new to that term. mm -hmm. Um, What, what do you, what do you think of when you hear that term? What, what's, what's the definition
1: in your mind? I mean, it's just this idea that like black people have to be, perfect to be deserving of basic human decency Mm -hmm. um and and i mean like not just black people um that video of the police dragging that asian doctor off of the united Mm -hmm. flight Mm -hmm. and then people started going through his past and being like oh like he had like a run-in with the law like 15 years ago as if that's relevant to being dragged yeah
0: yeah so being dragged off of an airplane (laughs) It's like, yeah. And that's no, that's a, that's an actually really, really good um, definition. I think that when I think of respectability politics, I think of, right, it's like your behavior is, um, or my treatment of you, whether or not I choose to respect you as a human being, is based on a constantly moving goalpost of your behavior. So I never have to give you anything because I can always move the goalposts. I never have to treat you like a human being. I never have to treat you with respect and dignity um, because I can always say, well, your pants are sagging. Well, I don't like how you're talking. Well, you should get a better job. Well, you should get more education. You know, it's like, well, you you shouldn't have made those choices.
1: Um, Yeah. I don't like the way you talk.
0: Yes. All of these things. Um, it's, it's policing, it's whiteness, policing blackness and saying, if you behave in these ways, you will be worthy of your humanity. Yeah. You have to work for your humanity. Um,
1: yeah, you have to earn it.
0: Right. Which I mean, that's like in, in terms of like, you know how you see those, those, genocide pyramids right and it's like you've got all of these kind of smaller things at the bottom more like microaggression-y things and it kind of builds up to actual violence mm-hmm. um, This is this is probably closer to the middle I would say in terms of like the impact that it has because there's like this kind of double standard of you need to respect me, right? Like you, as a Black woman, need to respect me as a white person all the time, no matter how I behave. Yeah, from the jump. Because, yes, my humanity is not being questioned here, right? Your humanity is what is on the line. And I will respect you, like treat you like a human being if you behave in this in these ways that I refuse to articulate most of the time or just things that are completely ridiculous, like learning to play the violin. Like Mm -hmm. I will treat black people who can play the violin like human beings and all the other
1: black people are not real people to me. Um, The concept of one of the good ones for the black people in your life that you kind of like, and then everyone else gets painted with that broad brush of like, nope, got to be better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that it's, what's really important is that there is no amount of behavior modification. There's no amount of capitulating to whiteness and white culture that we can do to actually get whiteness to acknowledge that we are human beings. Right. Because the entire construct of whiteness was white people are human. Everyone else is not right. Like we're closer to animals. Um,
1: yeah, and, and just like to be like clear for the people that are listening that might not uh, understand what you say when you meet when you mean whiteness, it's I mean it's literally just like the idea of a person having white skin, like not that you're Norwegian, not that you're Irish. All of that is kind of to the side, and it's just about like th- the idea of being a white vers- person versus the idea of being black person, set from the time when being a black person during slavery meant that you had nothing. Mhm.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's that's, that's actually a good a great point. Like I use the term whiteness and I just assume that people know what
1: what I'm yeah. talking about.
0: That's <laughs> like yeah, no, whiteness is like the cultural construct or like
1: white supremacy.
0: Yes. Yeah, and it's it's the same thing. It's the cultural construct of like white people being the pinnacle of humanity, or the only humanity, which was really what it, what the breakdown was originally because I believe it was, um, I believe the first person to create like the actual racial hierarchy was Carl Linnaeus and he did like white people at the top and then Asian people and then like native indigenous people and then black people at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And, um, this was in a science, this was in science literature, that he was creating. Um, The the
1: literal levels of humanity.
0: mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. While he was, while he was ranking all the species and like trying to sort them, Um, you know, this is the same concept that like that Charles Darwin did in terms of like trying to figure out where, like how to group species together um, and like building how that, how Darwin using observation built on like oh okay so it makes sense that these species are connected because they have super similar traits right and then it was kind of the same thing except it was like white men are ruled by law and oh God. and the black race is lawless <laughs> it's <was laughs> like it was like it was supposed to be this like critical examination right of 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 the races um which was all just, which was all just bullshit. Right. Because yeah. as soon as we mapped the human genome, it was like, okay, well, we're all 99.97% alike, which mm-hmm. means we're all the same species from a genetic perspective.
1: Yeah. Um, but like, culturally that sort of hierarchy
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, is sort of still like, it, it's, it's sort of still like a thing. Right. Because it was the law. Right, um, yeah, because- and that's why, like, I feel like a lot of the times in conversations about like respectability, podcast or uh, not podcast, uh, <laughs> politics, a lot of the times people, when they're arguing against Black Lives Matter, will say like, "What about black on black crime?" sort of like, "Hey, they're lawless. We are a civilization. They're like a horde of gangs, uncivilized. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. That that
0: that's exactly that's exactly what." That's exactly what ties respectability politics into genocide, right? Is it's like, these people are uncivilized, therefore we can eradicate them um, mm-hmm. when we need to, right? When it is convenient for
1: us. Um, yeah. I noticed so many people from our parents, predominantly white church, um, like at the beginning of Black Lives Matter, when I was still on Facebook, a lot of them would be saying like, they, they want to get mad. Black people want to get mad when a black person's killed by a white police officer, but they don't care when Black people are killed by other Black people. And I would just think, like, how inhuman do you think we are? That we could watch our neighbors and our relatives and our friends from school get killed in the street through gang violence, circumstances, police officers, and we just didn't care unless mm-hmm. it was a white cop. That's how inhuman yeah. we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but, I heard that like- from sweet, polite, kind, trendy church girls, like 30s, late 20s. They believe mm-hmm. this. This wasn't like mm-hmm. old grannies right. with like little China, you know, glass blackface dolls in their house. These are like cute millennial moms <laughs> yeah. that believe this. Yeah, that believe that we don't care,
0: which is really which is really fascinating because I'm, this really kind of ties exactly back into, into like the larger kind of argument that I have here in terms of like – when we are polite, we can organize um,
1: forever, and no one cares, right? Yeah. You and I went it's to like, a candlelight vigil for Philando Castile. There's no news there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. When but there were still riot police.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, well, you know, because they had to get the crowd riled up. We had so candles. Make, what choice did they have? Make, make, make the news. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, and it's just so wild to me that, again, it's like Black people have been organizing for centuries in church basements, right, at the library, like in people's homes. And white people have never heard of this. They've never heard of any of this because when we're polite, they don't pay us any mind, right? It's only when we get into the face of whiteness when we confront whiteness with itself and hold up a mirror and say, look, you are dehumanizing us. And by dehumanizing us, you are dehumanizing yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some reason, because whiteness is, no, I I, I figured it out. I was going to say for some reason, because whiteness is inherently a violent construct, it takes violence to get its attention. Mm -hmm. Nothing less than violence will get the attention of whiteness that is it because that is the only thing that whiteness respects at the end of the day. The only thing that whiteness will concern itself with is existential threats to itself via violence. Right. So, you know, we can, we can have a nice conversation of like, um, okay, like, you know, what if we, what if we made black teens like go and do ride alongs with the cops? Like, wouldn't that solve part of the problem? Or, um, you know what if what if we just all like did like a like a letter writing campaign <laughs> to you know like our state senators um and i i think what's really what's really missing in those kinds of arguments is that there like there's no whiteness has no reason to pay any attention to us at all and, and desperately wants to not pay attention to us which is why it dehumanizes us into behaving politely into behaving in a civilized way um because, it's,
1: yeah, it's just, tell, right. it's just saying quiet down. I
0: don't
1: mm-hmm. want to hear you, mm-hmm. you know. And so when, yeah, when black people go and they protest or they, you know, they you know, civil disobedience, mm-hmm. they, the response is just like, Hey, you know, wear a suit, get a job, you mm-hmm. know, contribute to society, pay your taxes. It, what they're saying is I don't want to hear you right now. I can hear mm-hmm. you. I mm-hmm. don't want to see you right now. I can see you. Yeah. Just yeah. be quiet. Yep. Absolutely, because like whiteness um, whiteness is normal. that's why white people don't like being described. they don't like being grouped together mm-hmm. like that's why you'll have these you know Republicans and these closeted Republicans who feel like straight white male is the new n-word because they mm-hmm. don't like they they like being neutral and they like being the standard and right. any other type of person that's a variation that's strange that's different-,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they like to be the metric of of humanity, like the metric against which our humanity is judged, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that because if you if you look at the history of whiteness, like as long as the construct of whiteness has existed, um, it has been used to justify violence against our bodies, right, and our land, actually. Um, both of those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, so when you're, when you're looking at like the historical aspect of it, um, and I mean, in, in, in the book, um, how to be an anti-racist, Dr. Kendi talks about, um, Gomez de Zurara, who was um, kind of the first person that he was able to find who grouped all African people under the label of black. Um, and this was during, like, this was when Spain was, was bringing, um, like, invading, right? Like, the Americas, initially. Um, and so I think that... Right. Like we have this, we have this kind of hierarchy. We have whiteness like at the top and it has always been, whiteness has always been used. Like we're, we're the real humans. So we get to decide what is and isn't violence against black, indigenous, Asian, Middle yeah. Eastern
1: people. Whiteness, like, whiteness is being the arbiter of rationality. And, and if anyone and has a complaint. I, a third part, objective third party will mm-hmm. suss out whether it is valid or not. Which right. is why there's these uh, there's these white people that you'll interact with where you'll say like, oh, that's so dumb, that's racist. And f- they'll be like, well, no, actually I don't really feel like it is. And they're not trying to be mean to you. They just have this knee-jerk reaction that they know they know more about race than you. They're rational, you're irrational. So they just mm-hmm. begin to calmly explain to you why mm-hmm. the thing that you observed is not what you think it is. And you're like, you're a 22 year old white boy from San Diego. Why in the world would you think that you could explain any of this stuff to me that that you would look to me to say, calm down? Mm -hmm. um, Why do you have that? Just that inside of you, that knee-jerk reaction of, I know better already in there. Cause like you just whiteness teaches you that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, especially cis white men anyone socialized as male probably if you know it's like yeah it's like okay well i'm i'm the objective force here so i get to i get to determine if what you're saying is correct i get to determine if how you're behaving is acceptable and mm-hmm. it's whiteness never polices itself when it comes to violence which is another aspect of respectability politics right that that the standard is very different you know, the whiteness can all of go. All their violence is noble. What was that? Oh,
1: all of their violence is noble. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yes, it's justified. It's moral. There's a moral reason for why these
1: Republicans have these, these massive guns that they'll bring to scream in police officers' faces because they have righteous anger. Whereas mm-hmm. if we have a toy that looks like a gun, you know, we're being lawless. Yeah.
0: Yeah absolutely um and so i think that there's this kind of constant pushback from whiteness to say you need to behave in these ways and then we'll listen to you and we behave in those ways and they still kill us (laughs) um and it's like oh put on a suit okay well malcolm X and mlk were wearing suits when they were shot like what's good um (laughs) like it that's not that's not that's not the level right and and the level is unattainable to us as non-white people right like yeah. humanity is unattainable they just tell us like oh if you keep if you keep working at it like you know go and get go and get a degree go and get a job like pull your pants up like have a better attitude don't talk about black stuff um
1: so, but yeah, you can never you can possible. never you can
0: never get there, right? You can never you can never get to whiteness because that is that is but the you'll still bas- always
1: be black. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the baseline for within the construct of whiteness, whiteness is the baseline for humanity, right? And there obviously there are white people, and I think that this is part, this is a really important part of the work of anti-racism, is white people have to begin to um essentially Be white, like, be white in the wrong ways, right? So standing up for Black lives is being right in the wrong way. You were not supposed to do that as a white person. If you are in a meeting and your Black colleague says something, you're supposed to take their idea, repeat it, and get credit for it. (laughs) You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to say, yo, shut up. Jamal is talking. Give him a second. I think what he's saying is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um... And it's, it's like, it's little things like that, um, that it's like, essentially you're taking your whiteness and using it to validate people of color and their experiences. Um, it's this idea of misperforming whiteness. Um, and because, because there's still, there's still like a hierarchy within whiteness.
1: And like, yeah, I feel like when you say like misperforming whiteness, you mean like going against the hierarchy, going against mm-hmm. white supremacy, mm-hmm. going against all of these, you know, concepts of rationality that have been taught to you from all of the things that you watched, all the things that you listened to, the way that, you know, society treated all the people around you, the jokes that you were allowed to make, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean like the the the, con- the concept of misperforming whiteness is, or, I think that, I think that that's the right word. It's like, there's a whole a theory behind it. Like it's a whole, it's a whole like area of study
1: in academia. Um, And I think that that is, I just like to dumb it down for anyone listening. Who's getting lost in jargon. They don't regularly hear.
0: No. And, and, and that's totally, that's totally fine. Um, What I think is really interesting too, since you know, on the, when we're talking about like misperforming whiteness, like, Adopting a black child is, is performing whiteness correctly, right? You taking it's a black child a black out kid. of, uh-huh, you taking a black child out of their black environment, their family unit that you ostensibly worship, and bringing them into your home, like that's, that's like the right way to be white, right? To essentially
1: Saying teach a black person from blackness. With your Yes, apartment.
0: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's really what's what I find really interesting is I end up getting a lot of comments from white moms who have done this and then their kid becomes a teen and they're just like, oh, shit, like my this child is not being treated the same way his siblings are right like i see his white siblings engaging with the world and he is not treated the same way and yeah. it's like okay if you're if you're coming to me and you've got teenagers and it took you this long to figure that out like
1: you should have done that work before you missed the bus you, yeah you missed the bus
0: um so i yeah and and it, the the entire concept um also of like indian boarding schools and the fact that you know through the 70s Native children were just straight up stolen from their families and put into these schools that would kill them by Mm -hmm. the thousands, literally. And um, But the saying was, kill the Indian, save the man, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we need to rid you of your identity and we need to make sure that you are performing whiteness at all times. And we can still take your humanity from you. We can still take your life from you at any moment. Um,
1: and the degree to which like whiteness is reinforced by your regular run of the mill public school education from such a young age, Mm -hmm. the way that you're shown black people, the way that you're shown white people. I remember, uh, in my history book, we were homeschooled. So it wasn't like a public school curriculum. It was like an evangelical curriculum. Um, but it said that Hawaiians would, and this is like really kind of a rough thing, but the history book said Hawaiian people before white people came over would like bury their baby in the sand if it wouldn't stop crying, and then white people came over and taught them not to do that thing. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, this was taught yeah. to me like it like in my just quote unquote American history book that like America saved, oh, white America saved Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're lawless. We came and We brought law.
0: Yep, yep. And that was the same. That was the same argument for indigenous people in in North and South America. It was the same argument for the trans uh, the transatlantic slave trade. That it was like, oh, okay. Um, so we're going to save you from yourself, mm-hmm. and you might die, but you know, we're saving your mind or we're saving your soul, if and it we're was, still
1: spreading freedom. <laughs> we're spreading freedom by taking yours away. Um. <laughs> and like, I, I bring up like alarming history lesson just for people to think like, there's so much stuff in your head that like you think is normal from the time you're a kid. And then mm-hmm. you just like spat it out as an adult when you get out there. And it's like, that's just been rattling around in there. And like, everyone has it. You don't have to feel like this, you know, extra burden of white guilt because like people have things that they were taught when they were a child. You just have to be aware of it and apologize when it comes out instead of saying, I don't mean that. Like, I mean, you can say, I don't mean that uh, as soon as I said it, but like, you got to own that you said it in the first place. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that it takes, like, that's a really good point because, because of respectability politics, because white people believe themselves to be like the arbiters of reality and like better at understanding, like, if, if like able to decide if we're suffering or if we are experiencing pain, um, this, and again, like this is a very, this is a very interesting, like I, I sure there were more people than just Thomas Jefferson, but Jefferson is the one that comes to mind. Like he would write about how, um, the people that he kept like, you know, in bondage on his property, um, He he would just speculate about like oh they you know they don't they need less sleep so we can work them harder like they feel less pain Um, which are still things that doctors think to this day mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely absolutely and he just he would just like write random things to to prove (laughs) prove quote unquote that his dehumanization of us was
1: legitimate right because we needed. We needed to be taught. And if you want like a little propaganda, uh, in 2013, you—I don't think you went, but the rest of the family went to Washington D.C. because I think you had just had a baby or you're just about to. Uh, <laughs> the, we all went to Washington D.C. and we went to Thomas Jefferson's house, and there was like a quote from Abraham Lincoln thanking Thomas Jefferson for all of his work to end slavery, and that was in huge letters up on the wall, just Lincoln, so you could see. Lincoln? Yeah. Oh, I oh, mean, like, it it was John Adams or someone, it was some other president. I don't know. I'm getting confused. Some okay, other president right. was like thanking Thomas Jefferson for the work that they had done. And there was like a quote from like a letter up on the wall.
0: Well, and that, I mean, that's, I think that that's a, it's a total sidebar, but that's a really important other piece of history that we, you know, it's like we pull out this one quote and it's like people's ideas and beliefs evolved over time. Right. Like initially, Initially, Thomas Jefferson was kind of actively trying to move away from slavery because motivated by the fact that he didn't think that black um, black people were people, right? He wanted to like send all of the, the, the black people back to Africa or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. then he like at some point in his life like just doubled down. He's like, no, never mind. This works really well for me, you know, because he yeah. was making a ton of money. Um, mm-hmm.
1: By one, you know, one of the th- biggest uh i think one of the easiest ways to see respectability podcast uh politics i keep saying podcasts um is just in the fact that like how many murders of an innocent black person has it taken for us to finally mobilize like this there was Mm. something found something wrong something not quite perfect something i can give that cop the benefit of the doubt in every other one of these videos like walter scott he was running away from a traffic violation and like, Oh, Mm -hmm. sorry. I I know he murdered you, but you weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. And so people didn't like mobilize for that one. It just took, we just had to be perfect.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And they had to be so undeniably evil.
0: Right. Yeah. That's another, that's another good point is, and, and to them, like it's, it's more evil, like the evil isn't, killing us, right The evil is killing other white people, the evil is harming white women. the evil is like harming white children. That's where the true evil kind of lies, right. Um, and I think that in terms of getting our humanity communicated to you know the powers that be, like it, we kind of have to make a stink about it because the goalposts are always moving. Mm-hmm. And like it, if we're quiet, we are ignored. Yeah, you know, if we're just going, if we're just going about our day, like trying to abide by all the rules, like mm-hmm. when we come up and say, "Hey, this happened to me. I was mistreated by a police officer," right? Um, because the overwhelming majority of Black people um, report having been abused like verbally abused or assaulted by a police officer Mm -hmm. um and and it's like we we you know we do everything right and then we come up and we say hey like this thing happened to me and it's like oh well you're not going to fight it so I am not going to listen
1: right um you can very easily be dismissed because you're mm -hmm. talking the way a lot of black people talk and you're dressed the way a lot of black people are dressed and so you're even if you're not right even if you're like yeah, even spot. yeah, <laughs> I still get treated like I I still get treated like I'm exaggerating when like when mm-hmm. I talk about like very recently, still being treated like I'm exaggerating. Mm-hmm. And like I'm just like, ah oh, you know, just calm down. It's maybe not all that. I'm sure it's you know bad. I'm not saying there's no racism, but it maybe wasn't all that. And right. I am, I was like kind of we were raised to be the version the best version of black people by white supremacy we, we were
0: yeah we were raised to
1: be the good ones yeah, yeah absolutely and still I get treated like I'm exaggerating when I talk about mm-hmm. the things I've experienced or even yeah. when I talk about studies that I've read oh well maybe I didn't really say that I'm like you're not arguing with me you're arguing with a study with science research, with yeah experimentation. <laughs> <With the> research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Um, and so
0: what I think is really fascinating, the kind of the, um, sort of experiment that I've done in my head several times is say, okay, we need to get, we need to get legislation to change what policing looks like. And I have to go and I have to get all of my neighbors to go and talk to our elected representatives. Right. And it's like, OK, so we can write letters, we can make phone calls, we can send emails, we can reach out on social media, Facebook, Twitter or whatever. Um, our elected officials have no obligation to respond to us ever. Right. Yeah. We go through go through those channels, the appropriate channels to get in touch with them. They don't ever have to acknowledge us, even yeah. though they represent us, even if we voted for them, they can just ignore us if they want to. Um, And so once you get to the point where you kind of exhausted all of the available options for creating change, what are, what are you supposed to do? Right. And there's a, there's a very kind of thin line in which it's beyond what is appropriate in terms of like getting the attention of power, I suppose, like, getting power to pay attention to your circumstance and what something and your action being illegal, right? Like there's a very thin line (laughs) there, um, in terms of disruption, right? Like I'm thinking of the time that, that a bunch of people walked up to Ted Cruz and he was trying to eat a meal with his family at a restaurant and they just like harassed him until he left. Um, That is that's not illegal. Like, yeah, it wasn't polite, quote unquote, but he does not pay attention to the people that he represents. Yeah, you could
1: call him, you could email him and he will blow you off time and time and time again. You can stand outside his office. He'll walk right past you. Won't let a security mirror. So like you have to make you have to make.
0: whiteness leaves us right it's like here are all the organized ways that you can take these steps to like get get things changed like go to your city council meetings and like you know send letters to the editor um and and, you know there's a process that we're supposed to go through in order to enact change and we go through the process and nothing changes
1: yeah peaceful protest Colin Kaepernick did that and the response was overwhelming, angry, and because there was no excuse for, it, because they had no justification to be angry at what he was doing, they just changed his message and said, "You hate the flag, and that's not respectable." And it's like you just pulled that out of your ass, and like, and decided that that's what we mean, and, and like whiteness tells you that you're the rational one. So you can tell us what we mean. You can tell us why we're out protesting. You can tell us why we're looting. You can tell us why we're throwing water bottles at the police. You can tell us why we're doing everything that we're doing because you are the rational one. And we are the unrespectable, irrational, emotional, too close to the problem to think clearly, you know, reckless individuals.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and so I th- like there again. Like there's a, this small, small space where we are allowed to make a lot of noise, make people's lives uncomfortable, um, make people's lives inconvenient, before you kind of spill over into things that are against the law. And, and civil disobedience absolutely has a place and is very appropriate. It's a very calm and reasoned response compared to white whiteness and how whiteness treats us. Um, yeah, you know, because, of white supremacy. right. Because, right. Because we're not, we're not taking cops and putting them in like backyard prisons, right? Like civil disobedience isn't that it's just like sitting down in city hall and refusing to leave. Like it. yeah, it's not, Holding it's not kidnapping hands along, people. Yeah. Right? Holding
1: hands along the freeway for a mm-hmm. few hours is yeah. way more calm, way more respectable than an entire racist system that's been keeping, trying to keep as many of a certain group of people down as possible for a long time for the comfort of white supremacists.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And I I mean, I guess like the final kind of piece to this is um, the fact that whiteness and like the concept of white fragility, like whiteness never wants to be seen and never wants to be acknowledged because its entire function, as I said, previous episode whiteness its entire function is to not exist Mm -hmm. right it is to disappear itself so that you are fighting against nothing right you're fighting the wind Um, and so yeah like I'm all the way here for I'm all the way here for civil disobedience but I'm all the way here for like yelling at politicians who refuse to acknowledge their constituents Yeah, Um, you know it's like you are supposed to ostensibly you answer to us right and as this country gets browner and blacker um
1: while Congress stays just white as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um because <laughs> we... so much respectability politics happens in actual politics politics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like absolutely the fact that, like, if Barack Obama was exactly the same as he is now, he just had five kids from three different women, would not ever be the president. But no. Donald Trump can do that and he's a respectable man.
0: mm -hmm. Yeah, he's so respected that he can walk down the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and not go to jail for it, right? Because whiteness, like whiteness, gets to decide what is and isn't violence, Mm -hmm. and that's just that's just how it is. And so because of that, working a car and lighting
1: it on fire after a game isn't violence. (laughs) It's just it's just a rowdy couple of teenagers. Just a a rowdy crowd. Just
0: a rowdy crowd. Took it too far. Time to go home, guys. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All in good fun. You bet you got to go. All right, kid. you calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, I am like, this is, this is such an interesting kind of concept. I actually wrote, the, the reason that I brought up the Ted Cruz thing, um, I actually wrote um, an essay called In Defense of the Powerful, which is, about the, which is about Ted Cruz and respectability politics and, like, the people that were saying that, like, the protesters who confronted him went too far, um, which is on my website, Um, if that's something that people want to check out, because I think that this is a really kind of a, It's a really important subject, and we, we need to critically examine whiteness and respectability politics and the ways in which respectability politics is, like, functionally exists to, like stunt us to handcuff us and not allow us to be like full citizens of this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people want to do some, some of my homework, they can definitely go and check that out. Um, yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, Thing before, uh, I, sh- I just want to point out the fact that mm. so many people were angry that black people are kneeling and saying that they were disrespecting the flag is because they think that the flag is more theirs than it is the black athletes. <laughs> And it's like that. Like you're disrespecting the troops. Like that flag isn't just the troops. That's my flag, also. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. And like, yeah, the flag doesn't have feelings. Like the anthem doesn't know if you sing it. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, um Alice. If people want to try to get a hold of you on Beyonce's internet, where do they do
1: that? Oh, that is very easy. I'm on Twitter at Alice R Hamilton, and I am on Instagram at Miss Alice Hamilton. Sweet. I did I, have um, an go. edible four hours ago, so if I was a little spacey, I'm. I'm just saying. No,
0: no, it's it's all good. I got nothing. I you always seem high to me, so whatever. <laughs> you know, that's your respectability podcast. <laughs> hmm hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, I am on. I was going to say Facebook and Twitter. I am not on Facebook, no, you guys. I can't. I can't, I can't handle Facebook. (laughs) I am on Twitter and Instagram at white homework and you can find the white homework lessons on my website, which is www.toryglass.com. If you were listening to this on your favorite podcast playing device application, uh, if you could leave a review, give us, you know, five or six stars. Fair minimum five, but you could do six if you really wanted to. Um, that would be incredible. And yeah, this. Let's see, what else? What else do I need to do? Socials. Leave. You know. Yeah, Thank the art work. The. Yep, the amazing artwork that was done by Slade Sundar. You can check out his work, and I link to it in all the show notes. Um, yeah, sweet, tight. Wash your hands. Stay safe. <laughs> Bye. Bye. White Homework is a COBA.FM production. Your host is Tori Williams-Douglas. Executive producers are Jeff Martin and Nate Fraser. Produced by Jillian Cohan Martin. Audio production and editing by Nash Propst. Music by Kay Solace. For additional resources on White Homework, please visit whitehomework.com. For more information on other COBA podcasts, please visit coba.fm. That's C O B dot F-M. Thanks for listening.